What's up, everyone? Sam Brief here in Chicago with episode two of the Mental Game Podcast. Before I dive into today's episode with former NBA player and Northwestern basketball star Reggie Hearn, I just want to say thank you. There's been an outpouring of love and support after I dropped the first episode with Casey Crosby last week. And it comes twofold. Of course, there's this standard liking, rating, subscribing, retweeting, spreading the podcast around that I thank you all for. But because this is sort of a different podcast, not just about sports, but about mental health, where people are opening up and being vulnerable and maybe talking about some uncomfy things, I appreciate the support in people reaching out and saying, hey, this is important. You've really found something here. It means a lot. So thank you for reaching out and for all the kind words. I really hope that this podcast continues to bring more people into the fold and spread around. So today's guest on episode two of The Mental Game is Reggie Hearn. Now, first of all, I want you to pay attention to every word Reggie has to say, because the man was a psych major at Northwestern. He knows the science. He knows what he's talking about. From an athlete's point of view, he also has a very unique perspective. Out of high school, he got no D1 scholarship offers. So he walked on at Northwestern, and by his senior season, he was on scholarship and the team's leading scorer. For seven years after graduating... He's been in the G League, bouncing around from organization to organization. And then in 2018, he signed a two-way contract with the Pistons, and he made it to the NBA, scoring his first bucket in February of 2018. Now, Reggie was really open with me in this podcast about his struggles with mental health. So I really thank him for his transparency, his vulnerability, and honesty. So without further ado... Here is episode two of the Mental Game Podcast with Reggie Hearn. From deep, oh, he hits it! Can you believe it? Reggie Hearn has struck with a dagger! Reggie, how are you, my friend? I'm good, Sam. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to having a good talk about the Mental Game. Before we dive in, I'll start here. We're both Northwestern Wildcats. And by some stroke of luck, we're both wearing gray Northwestern shirts today. We are really in sync. I think we are. Um, you know, and there's no better place to be in sync than uh, being a Northwestern Wildcat, being an alumni. And if we saw each other on the street, there wouldn't have to be a, a conversation. You just put the claw up and then there's a mutual recognition of what type of people we are. And I know all of you out there are listening, not watching. So just to give you a visual, <laughs> we both just held up the Northwestern claw. So any Northwestern mm -hmm. alums out there, <laughs> hold up your claw for us. So Reggie, of course, we're at a weird time in the world right now. Mm -hmm. How have the last few months been for you since mid-March when everything was canceled? Yeah, uh, it's, been, it's been crazy. Um, you know, to, to give you a little backstory, uh, we, we were playing a game on the night of March 11th. Uh, we saw in the locker room, I, I play for the South Bay Lakers, by the way, in the Lakers organization in the G League. We saw on our TVs in the locker room, Rudy Gobert's positive test. We saw the game get canceled. Uh, we thought, man, this is probably the last game that we're going to play. Um, that ended up being correct. We ended up playing that night, um, but that was our last game against the Austin Spurs. After that, um, it was three weeks of staying in L.A. Uh, my wife and I stayed in our hotel room that we had there. 
um, decided to move to, to Reno for the off season. And since then it's been, um, a lot of staying indoors, um, you know, only going out when we need to, a lot of working out outside as here in Reno, we don't have access to, to gyms until we found one recently at a country club where I can get some work in. Well, glad you can get your shots up. I know you're, you're mm-hmm. a sharp shooter and mm-hmm. you got to stay in rhythm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Reggie, of course, this is the mental game podcast. So mm-hmm. we're not focused as much on your shooting as we are on getting mm-hmm. inside your head here. Throughout your career, you've often had to climb the ranks deal with Mm -hmm. feelings of maybe inferiority. Could you give me a little bit of an idea of how you see the mental side of the game tying into both your life and your basketball career? Yeah. um, Well, just just a little background about me is uh, I I struggle with anxiety um, to a point where at times in the past it's reached a point of panic attacks uh, in February of 2018. At the pinnacle of my career, no less, when I was with the Detroit Pistons as a two-way player, I went to the mental hospital um, for approximately a week. Um, and I had a psychotic break there um, telling nurses, like, God left me, Jesus doesn't love me, you know, all these, you know, uh, religious, spiritual type things. Uh, so that's a little bit of the background, uh, very, very deep, very dark. Um, and so... It, at that point in time, you know, it, it pulled me away from basketball. Like I couldn't function, you know, on a daily, on a daily basis. And so since then, working with therapists, having a very strong support system around me, you know, I've learned a lot about anxiety. I've learned, you know, what it does to your brain, um, how it affects, you know, your life and your daily functioning. Um, and obviously that carries over into basketball. Um, and then upon coming upon these realizations, I realized, man, I've been struggling with this my whole life. I mean, before games at Northwestern as a junior, I would throw up before the game because, you know, I think my body was so nervous. I was so anxious. Um, you know, obviously that has negative effects. Um, mind affects body, body affects mind. Um, and so now it's, it's become um, a point of emphasis for me to, to focus on uh, the mental side of things, like you talked about, Sam, um, develop mental skills, uh, not only to enhance my performance on the court, uh, but to be able to get back to the peace and joy and love that I think God designed for us to live, um, or he designed for us to live in a peaceful and a joyful and a loving state, but it's very hard for us to get back to that point. So you made it to the NBA in February 2018, which is when you're telling me you had this psychotic breakdown. Mm -hmm. Now, on the surface, a lot of people might look at that and say, oh, well, that's the peak of his career. He made it to the NBA. Everything's great. You nailed the corner three against Portland. Mm -hmm. Things are good. How could you be dealing with anything but a little pregame nerves? Now, as someone who also deals with anxiety, I understand that even in the great moment that you had you were having a struggle and there's no way to time that out what sort of whirlwind were you in in the beginning of february so i found the the trigger for me in terms of anxiety is being in close relationships um as i've worked with my therapist i'm we're not exactly sure where that comes from and i don't think it always matters uh we talk about how hey this is what you're dealing with it can help to go to your past sometimes but 
you're not always going to find the answers for why you are the way you are. Um, but we found that, you know, whenever I've gotten into a close relationship with a woman, um, you know, there's been a lot of fear there. Uh, I think there's fear of, um, will I be able to be a good man for her, a good husband? Down the line, we have children. Will I be able to be a good father? Um, there may be remnants of the fact that I'm a child of divorce. My parents separated when I was five. Um, you know, there's maybe fears of, am I good enough to be loved? You know, is somebody going to, you know, really love me for the rest of my life? You know, there's a lot of elements there. And, you know, a lot of the time we as men don't talk about those things. Um, but for me personally, that's a struggle. And for a few other men I've talked about, you know, you, we as humans, we need love. And so there, if there's fear that you won't be loved or if you don't perform well enough, you're not going to be loved or appreciated or respected. Um, you know, for me, that reached the pinnacle of, man, I'm anxious about it. Now I have fear. Now it's a panic attack. Um, and so that, that was the, that's what was going on with me. I had, um, gotten into or started to get close to my now wife. Um, during that time of my mental health struggle, we weren't talking. I pushed her away. I was all sorts of confused. Um, and I think it was a situation where God really helped me. I, I got the call up and went to Detroit in, in January, actually. And my wife was here in Reno. I had been with the Reno Bighorns. And so obviously she wasn't my wife at the time, but, you know, we had started to get close. I started freaking out. You know, God gives me a call up now. I'm in Detroit. I'm back closer to home. I'm either able to gather myself. I'm able to learn more about myself, why these things are happening. I go to the hospital, which is like, you reach that point, you're like, dang, there's really something wrong. I really need to look into this stuff. Why, <laughs> why is this happening? I can't even function. Um, so then, you know, that, that's the rock bottom point, but people think rock bottom is bad and it is in the moment. But once you get there, it's like, like the cliche says, there's nowhere to go, but up. Okay. Now I can really start the healing process. Um, and so learning that that was, that was my trigger being in close relationships and, and everything that comes with that. Now I'm able to work with therapists. Now I'm able to unravel those things and work on healing and get back to a point of functioning, uh, you know, the way God designed me to function. I know I speak for both myself and likely a majority of the listeners. We can't relate to professional athletes because you're dealing with a mental health struggle. And then every night as a part of your job, you are walking out onto a court and performing and being scrutinized. And in your case, being in the G League, you're under this pressure to perform in order to get that call up. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious how your anxiety or any distraction you have in your life affects your performance on the court. Is there a way to shut that off or is it just something you deal with? Uh, for me, I think it, it, dependent on a night by night basis. Um, obviously I've gotten better and better at it, but I mean, our brains are powerful, Sam. Um, you know, I can get on the court and I've done it so much that, you know, it's like brushing my teeth. You know, it's like getting on and riding a bike. My, my brain has done it thousands of times, so it can operate. Um, but if it's distracted by anxiety, because anxiety comes because your thoughts are running about something in the future or something else that's going on. And so now your brain is diverting energy and attention away to whatever's going on there while also working subconsciously on the basketball court. Uh, so it obviously does, you know, affect 
um, what was going on in the court. Um, I think it produced a lot of fatigue. You know, they talk about, my therapist talks about anxiety, you know, being linked with depression. You know, you're anxious, your brain is going on overdrive about all these different thoughts. It gets tired. And so your, your system shuts, tries to shut itself down. So the, that's the feeling of depression. Oh, I don't want to do anything. And so that's hard to battle when you're, when you're trying to be energetic on the court. It can bring on things like, you know, a guy calls a play and your mind is so anxious on these other things off the court. You may not register what he called. So like your listening is impaired. Like it's just all sorts of these, you know, little things. Um, and, you know, it's, you know, obviously the, the, the lack of focus as well, um, you know, is can, can be tough on the court. So I found that I was still able to operate, but um, you could tell that my play was impaired. You know, I would have people comment to me that it looked like I wasn't having fun on the court. Um, if you went back and look at the stats, when I played for, for Grand Rapids, um, or the year that I got called up, probably the first 10 to 15 games, I was averaging 18.6 rebounds, which is the most I've ever averaged in the G League. I start struggling with these things. I get called up to Detroit. Now I'm playing for their G League team, Grand Rapids. Uh, my three-point percentage goes down to like 33, 34, which at this point, you know, the two seasons before, I'm shooting 44%, you know. So I noticed it affected my shooting. I didn't feel confident when I shot. And, you know, that's my bread and butter. Um, so, I mean, that, that's a statistical thing that you can go back and look at and be like, man, he wasn't as efficient. Um, so I don't know how, why anxiety directly affected by three-point shooting, but that's something that happened. Like I said, I felt more fatigued. So there's a lot of things that go into it because, like I said before, your mind affects your body and vice versa. I think that's so fascinating because mm -hmm. anxiety will never be listed on an injury report. But mm. the stats you're telling me show that something like anxiety can affect your play just as much as a pulled hammy or a sore arm. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it, it's not a physical injury, but it's something that can affect your play. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, I think there's plenty of science out there that shows how anxiety or depression will affect the brain. You know, they do comparisons. You know, what is a, you know, a person who smokes – what do their lungs look like versus a healthy person? Well, they can do the same things with your brain. And, you know, our brains get affected. And if your brain is affected, like I said, your body will be affected in some way. Um, your motor movements, you know, all, all sorts of things. And I don't think we completely understand it yet, but I'm thankful that we as a society are starting to learn that, hey, mental health is very serious and it is physical your brain will look different than it it's would. It's a part of your body. North of. Exactly. So, um, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm thankful that, that we're starting to uh, move in that direction. Um, but it is interesting what you said. I never thought about it either. That, like that wouldn't be listed on an injury report. But, yeah, you could say his, his brain is, is you know, it, it's nicked up. <laughs> you know, you could say something like that because my mind is – doing weird things and it's setting off my nervous system. My flick of the wrist might not be as good. So I'm not going to shoot as well. Um, so it, it, it is fascinating how, how much um, we can be affected by, by mental illness. You're right that it probably will never be on an injury report, but I know some coaches are getting more creative with those. I remember a couple of years ago, Greg Popovich had Tim Duncan 
on the injury report and it said DNP old. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. It's like, oh, this old man that. can't play tonight. <laughs> mm-hmm. Reggie, do you still throw up before games? <laughs> I do not. Thankfully, that was a, that was a one-year thing. And I think even during that year, you know, my first few games, I was really nervous. But, um, you know, there's this theory of familiarity. The, the more familiar you get with something, the more used to it you get. So over the course of the year, I got used to playing. I felt more comfortable out on the court. But my body had this natural reaction to before a game, you throw up, you know. So even though I didn't feel as nervous later in the year, my body was still doing that. Um, but after a summer, uh, coming back my senior year, I didn't, I didn't struggle with that anymore, and I haven't since. So, Reggie, you played in high school at Fort Wayne. Mm-hmm. You got no D1 scholarship offers. You go to Northwestern as a walk-on, and then by your senior season, you're on scholarship and leading the team in scoring. Mm-hmm. You've had low points in your career where you've been rejected or told you weren't good enough, and here you are in your seventh year as a pro. How many times have you wanted to quit? <laughs> uh that's one of those things where I wish that I wish that I had uh, maybe journaled more so I could go back to those times. I, I do have a, I do have a journal. I do have certain points that I could go back and tell you. Um, but I know it's been numerous times. Um, I mean, even, even after middle school, I wasn't sure I wanted to play in high school after high school. I wasn't sure I wanted to play in college. Um, probably the biggest moment was my second year as a pro when I got released from Idaho, um, my confidence was shot. My mental health was not in a good place at all. I, I felt like I couldn't even dribble a basketball anymore without turning it over. Um, I would have so much anxiety on the court, um, feeling like I wasn't good enough. And this was two years removed from being all Big Ten honorable mention. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on with me. Like, I was just crumbling. Um, I remember crying like, God, like God I, I – I love playing this game. I want to keep playing this game, but I just feel like I can't. I don't, I don't even know who I am on the court. And that's not an exaggeration. Like, I, I literally was feeling those things. Um, and, you know, that was back in 2015. And here I am five years later. And, you know, we've seen, you know, what God has done and the opportunities he's given me and how he's built my confidence back up. That's what we have to do. Like, yeah, I'm overwhelmed. Anxiety, panic attacks, depression. But they're – Life sometimes boils down to the very simple things. Am I going to hang on and keep going or am I not? (laughs) You know, like, and the more times in those moments that you make the decision of I'm going to hang on, you're building up habits in your brain. I'm a person that hangs on. I'm a person that perseveres. I'm a person that gets through it. And then, like I said earlier in the podcast about, how subconsciously on the court I just play. Well, now subconsciously I hit those moments and I hang on and I keep going because my brain is used to that. I want to read back a quote that I found of yours in an interview you did with the Northwestern Alumni Magazine. This was while you were in Detroit after you had gotten that call up to the NBA and it was about your mindset. You said, since then I've had some success. I've gotten to Detroit. If I'm honest, that makes me feel a little more entitled. I'm not as innocent anymore. I wish now that I was able to maintain that same mindset. 
of being grateful. What did you mean by that mindset? I think, um, I mean, I think about some of the points in my career. If you would have asked me, you know, when I'm coming out of high school, I'm about to walk on to Northwestern. If you would have asked me, hey, do you believe, you know, 10 years from now, you'll be a seven-year pro who's been, um, you know, USA Basketball Male Athlete of the Year, who's played for the Detroit Pistons, um, who's been arguably one of the best three-point shooters in the history of the G League. Would you believe me? I would have said no. <laughs> and, you know, I was – I was just thankful for any opportunity. Um, I think a story might help this. So I played with Pierre Jackson this year um, for the South Bay Lakers. Pierre, one of the you know most feisty little explosive guards you know I've ever seen or played with. And he told me this season we were sitting in the locker room one time. He said, "He said, you know, I was all I was always." Uh, impressed by you, Reg, because you were on the lowest G League salary, which at that time was like 13000 for five months of play. Um, he said, you were on the lowest salary, but every day you showed up to practice and, like, you worked hard. Like, you, like it just seemed like you were thankful for the opportunity to be in the G League. And it was hard for me because I was all salty. Like, I feel like I should be in the NBA. I should be playing. Um, you know, I shouldn't be here. And – him telling me that reminded me, you know, that that is the mentality that, you know, I always want to have. And I would hope, you know, most players have is, hey, I'm just thankful to be playing ball. Like, yeah, I don't necessarily want to be here in the G League, but I, I still get to play ball for a living. And as long as I get to play ball, I'm getting exposed for potential opportunities to get where I want to be. And you know, I think once I had the success that I did and I made it to Detroit, it wasn't that I was ungrateful, but it was more like it's easier to complain about things. It's easier to say, like, man, I know I could be in the NBA. I know I, I'm, I, I could shoot. I could do what that guy does. Like, why am I here doing this? Um, whereas before it was like, man, I'm just happy to be here. I just love playing basketball. That's what I meant by that quote is – being in a more joy-filled mindset and a grateful mindset, which science also shows is way better for our health than being in a state of mind where you're just complaining about the negative aspects because Sam, there is, it doesn't matter if I'm in the NBA. It doesn't matter if I'm sitting here in Reno right now with no job in basketball, there's good and bad in every situation. And it really is just about how you look at it and what you focus on because you know, like with Dak Prescott, quarterback of the Cowboys. Why isn't his life great? Why is he having anxiety and depression? Well, because there's good and bad in every situation. There's good and bad in every human being. And it's really just about holding on to the good and, and pursuing the good because if not, it will be a detriment to your life. <laughs> if, you, if you want to find the bad, you'll find it. But if you want to find the good, it's always there to be found. Then it's so fascinating to hear that from you as someone who's grinded it out as a walk-on and is grinding it out in the D-League, but who has also gotten a taste sort of tantalizing in Detroit, right? That, that period in mm -hmm. 2018, you mentioned the award. You were the USA Basketball Male Athlete of the Year, which, by the way, I want to make sure listeners understand what that award means and I'll describe it through some of the other names that have won that award. How about yeah. LeBron James, 
Kevin Durant, Carmelo Anthony, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Shaq, and Reggie Hearn. What did that mean to you to win Male Athlete of the Year? Um, so I just read an article last night about Duncan Robinson with the Miami Heat. He's shooting lights out. And, you know, his story is similar to mine and maybe even more of an underdog. You know, D3 did only average like eight or nine points at Michigan. And this dude is like, who, who am I to be a starter for the Miami Heat and to be an elite shooter, you know, like I am? And he, he the article talked about him talking to Eric Spolster about imposter syndrome. Like, I'm an imposter. Like, I don't, I don't belong here. Um, and having to get over that mindset. And that's exactly how I feel about things like USA Basketball Male Athlete of the Year. Like, you know, you have those games, like, which name doesn't belong? LeBron, Kyrie, Michael Jordan, Reggie Hearn. It's like, well, obviously I stick out like a sore thumb. Like, who is that guy? Um, and so that, you know, that's really how I feel about it is like, I don't, why do I belong in those group of names? Um, I even have... I even have the picture of when um, uh, part of how USA Basketball rewarded me for, you know, my service in the qualifier games was that they let me come to the, the, um, the USA Basketball, like, senior team mini camp a couple years ago. And, you know, it's the best of the best there. There are some guys like AD who didn't, who didn't or LeBron who didn't participate, but Harden, Westbrook, Dame, Drummond, Blake – they're all there. And then they, they get together for a group picture. And Sam, I am in the middle, the exact middle of the picture. I'll text it to you after if you want to see it. But I'm just, sitting there, I'm just sitting there laughing afterwards. I'm like, why am I in the middle of these guys? Like, and, and it was funny because my wife said, you know, they put the picture on Twitter and there's some people in the feeds like, who are those dudes? Because it was like me, Larry <laughs> Drew, Xavier Munford. They're like, who's that guy in the middle? Who are those two dudes up at the top? <laughs> so, you know, that, that, that's how I feel about the whole thing, man. It's like, yeah, I, I realize I don't belong in the sense of I haven't accomplished what those guys have accomplished. But I also can't, you know, I also can't, you know, put myself down. Like, you know, my own career has been awesome in its own right. You know, I have to own the goodness of it and, you know, just the awesomeness of it. and the opportunities God has provided me and, you know, accept what is um, and try to do so as, as humbly as possible. What sort of communication have you gotten regarding next season? Is there going to be a G league season? What will it look like? Um, as far as I've heard, they're going to do everything that they can to, to have a G league season. Uh, I think this is going to be year one of the professional pathway program where they're taking elite high school prospects and offering them an alternative to college or overseas. You know, we don't, we don't like to see LaMelo and RJ Hampton and some of the best American talent go overseas. Um, and so I think, you know, they want to they wanna have a, a great season um, and a great inaugural showing of, you know, this professional pathway team. Um, and I think uh, because of that, you know, they're going to do what they can to make sure a G League season happens. We'll certainly hope there's going to be a season. Hope to see you out there, Reggie. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for coming on. We got mm -hmm. deep into your struggles, and it's not easy to be open. And you came on, and you've been very open and vulnerable. So I really appreciate that. 
Yeah, if you don't mind, I'd like to leave some parting words. Um, Please do. Just for for anybody listening, for for any athletes, um, I think something that that we as a society have to start doing is is being intentional about our mental health. Um, you know, people who make New Year's resolutions about oh, I'm going to get to a certain weight, um, I'm going to commit to this diet, um, or I'm going to commit to this sleep schedule. All those things are great physically. Um, you know, we have to do th- we have to do things. We have to do self care. We have to exercise, we have to eat well, we have to sleep. Um, but I think we really have to be intentional about um, our mental health. Um, and by that, I mean, I'll try to keep it brief, but, you know, for me, uh, you know, my faith, my love for, for Jesus Christ is what drives me, is what, is what I live for, is showing him to the world and, and how he's not the God that people think he is. Like, he's not a a vengeful God. He's not a policeman in the sky waiting for you to mess up like God wants for us to be healed. And for me, I, I spend now intentional time memorizing certain parts of scripture and saying them to myself out loud. Um, and not just scripture, you know, I'll focus on, you know, I'll think about something pleasant in nature. Um, you know, I, I think about, I purposely take time to intentionally think about positive things. And the Bible talks about that a lot. Like think about things that are noble and true and praiseworthy. And why is God telling us that? Or why does he tell us to, to focus on scripture? Well, because that's how our brains get healthy. We, we focus on healthy things. So when I go to the gym, I'm spending an hour getting my body in shape. We have to spend time getting our brains in shape. Like they've been warped by everything that we've experienced in the world. People have hurt us. Bad things have happened. And so our brain takes those things, it stores that trauma, and it's affected. It, it affects our body. It affects our, our hope, our joy. But we have to intentionally take those things back. I have to spend time training my mind. And so thinking about positive things. And there's a lot of things out there about meditation and mindfulness. And I think that stuff is is great and people have to pay more attention to it. Even if you don't, even if you're not a believer in God, even if you're not a believer in Jesus, even if you don't think that's the way to go, um, we have to find positive things to train our minds to be positive because if we take in the negative and then we allow, and then we allow the negative to, we absorb it and we then send more negative out there, we're making everything worse. So uh, it's my, plea to everyone to to learn how to spend intentional time thinking positive thoughts science shows us we're, we create new pathways in our brain we create positive we create healthy we create joyful loving new circuits in our brain that takes our brains down a positive path and if our mind is healthy our bodies and our lives will be healthier. Those are really powerful words, Reggie. And people should listen because you're a professional athlete. You know the connection between mind and body. You've learned it. You've lived it. You were a psych major at Northwestern. Mm -hmm. So you know what you're talking about too. And uh, I really, really thank you for opening up and, and sharing that message. Yeah, absolutely. It's my pleasure. It's my passion. I mean, hey, this stuff is so important. It really is. I, I'm personally mm-hmm. really glad that um, there's people like you 
and people like Kevin Love and DeMar DeRozan in the game of basketball all over sports, mental health is starting to get a little more attention. And I think that's really, really good. Good health to you and to your wife. Again, congratulations mm-hmm. on, on getting married. Last time I talked to you, you were a single guy. Now you're a married man in Reno. So congrats on that. And I hope you have a smooth rest of the off season and can get back on the court soon. Yeah. Thanks, Sam. Last thing I would say is a shameless plug for uh, this book that I just got done reading, The God-Shaped Brain by Dr. Timothy Jennings, a Christian psychiatrist. Uh, Really great book, God-Shaped Brain. But um, it's the last thing I got. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate you, Sam. And um, I hope this uh, podcast is able to help a lot of people. That's my intention. Thank you, Reggie. And hey, go Cats. Go Cats. Big thank you to Reggie Hearn for joining me on episode two of the Mental Game Podcast. And really, I mean that. Thank you. This podcast, when I thank a guest, it's often not just thank you for your time, but it's also, as was the case with Reggie, thank you for being open, thank you for being vulnerable, and actually shedding a light on some mental health issues, both in your own life and in the world at large. So really, thank you to Reggie for joining me on episode two. And also a big thank you to you for listening and supporting. I'll ask you to please like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast. It helps a lot to get it out, especially now in the early steps. We're up and running on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, TuneIn, Smoke Signal, wherever you listen to podcasts. Please continue to subscribe and spread the message around for The Mental Game. Episode 3 is dropping next week. I've got a very special guest that I think you'll all like a lot, so stay tuned for that. Now, the music for this podcast is provided by David Brief. That last name should sound familiar. Brief, he's my father. The song is Rookie of the Year from his band Channel J. And if you're wondering, I am the Rookie of the Year in question. He wrote the song when I was in the womb, and it's about me. Now, my athletic career amounted to nothing, so I never won any Rookie of the Year awards, but I know that I'm always the Rookie of the Year in his mind. So thanks, Dad, for providing the music for this podcast. So now, signing off from Chicago, I'm Sam Brief with episode two of the Mental Game Podcast. Hope you all stay safe, stay healthy. Adios.